lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show Welcome everybody to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint coming to you live on a Monday night. You're probably not listening to it live because I don't put it up live, but point still stands. Uh, I put together a thread this evening of economic uh, concerns I have and basically just wanted to go into a little bit further detail for those that are interested. So um, instead of editing or doing any sort of like, you know, post-production, I'm just going to lay it on you. And this probably won't be very long, maybe 10, 15 minutes, but I'm just going to top of the dome, lay lay on you exactly what I see coming. So the uh, the reason I, I posted the updated thread was because in, I think it was April, uh, maybe early May, you know, I was warning about economic depression that would likely come from the lockdowns. I think we can all agree that had it not been for the massive trillion stimulus package that was passed by Congress, we would already be in the throes of the Great Depression Part 2. I tend to believe that we are currently in it, regardless of appearances. Unemployment rate is, uh, you know, nearing double digits. And in reality, as we know, if you've ever checked out Shadow Stats, it's much higher. Not to mention those that are, you know, taking part-time gigs just to survive, uh, that totally downplays the effects of the lockdown. Also, a uh, note that I made in the thread was that, you know, I'm a mortgage broker. I've, I've invested um, or managed the investment of over $50 million in in mortgage lending. And, you know, I'm the underwriter on all that. So I, I know of which I speak. Um, I'm also, you know, 38 years old and nearing retirement. So, you know, I, just to give, if you if you care about credentials, I have some. Uh, if you don't, then just listen to the ideas. If they hit home, you know, take them for what they're worth. But uh, this is not financial advice. Consult your professional financial advisor, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think that basically the uh, the moratorium on the foreclosures and the evictions has masked the true economic destruction that the lockdowns have wrought upon us. And I wanted to talk about that briefly. The uh, foreclosure rate and the uh, the defaulted mortgage rate is back to where it was in 2008 uh, after the Great Recession began in earnest. And if you guys are old enough to remember, which I'm sure most of you are, that was a very cataclysmic time, both in the uh, stock market, real estate market, banking, lending, uh, and also for the consumer, the, the person that was in those homes. Uh, we had record eviction and I I feel that we would be in that exact same place today if it weren't for the enormous stimulus that's happening. And I, I don't think that any Austrian economic you know thinker would disagree with that. So was I wrong that we would be in a depression now? Yes, I guess I was. Um, I, I thought that more sane people existed in Congress that wouldn't be passing trillions and trillions in uh in stimulus i also thought that they wouldn't possibly keep us locked down this long i also thought that people wouldn't allow for a lockdown to last this long much less one that appears to be 
en route to lasting at minimum a year, a full year from the March 15th, 2020 start. Uh, Biden has already announced that he's going to do 100 days of mask mandates. I think you can read into that, that it's almost certainly going to be continued with the you know full lockdown slash semi-lockdown or quasi-lockdown from most of the blue state governors and some of the red. Uh, I don't know you know, percentage-wise, and it doesn't really matter. The The point is our liberty's been stolen. I, I just never expected that people would, would put up with this for this long. So that changed the timeline. Uh, I really thought that we would we would have ended these lockdowns by now through force if necessary. I mean, thank God people are starting to push back, but it isn't enough at this point. And it doesn't appear that it's going to be enough, especially with the vaccine on the horizon. I'm sure people are going to have a bit more resolve expecting that this may in fact be over, you know, in three to six months. Uh, if you listen to people like Gates, they're very clear that they expect us to be in some form of lockdown through the summer. So we're looking at at least a year and a half of some level of lockdown protocols. And given given the economic destruction that that's creating, even though you can't see it at this point, I can't even begin to imagine what the day of reckoning now looks like. The national debt, I think, hovers around 27 trillion. I, I would imagine it'll it'll break 30 trillion by maybe mid next year. Um, as crazy as that sounds, so we will have gone from 20 trillion to 30 trillion in you know five years after it took a hundred years to get uh, to 20 trillion. So it, it's Basically, like if you ever look at the the charts that uh, Al Gore put out with an inconvenient truth, they call it the hockey stick chart. The way I view it, the hockey stick wasn't carbon; it was national debt. Because if you look at the chart for our national debt, it is it's en route to going parabolic, in my opinion. And I don't think that you can turn back that clock. Ultimately, the people are so uh, reliant on this government largesse that they're just going to continue to print it and there is no moral resolve from you know the higher-ups, the politicians, nor from the people, which is the most disturbing part. And I don't blame the people so much because they're starving and they're out of work and they're on, en route to being evicted or foreclosed on. But the politicians are supposed to sometimes think about the big picture and think about the long term, and they're not. They're considering their electability in the short term. And I think that if you're you know, trying to guess at what comes next, you should certainly be preparing for a complete loss of any sort of austerity or fiscal sanity. And I, I view that as kind of the death knell for our empire. I'm not going to go into history, but if you want to, you can research about the fall of Rome and, and debt and essentially you know, any sort of military uh, adventurism leads to this in the long term and we have been militarily adventurous for way way too long and uh, on top of that we've educated our people in a way that has left them uneducated when it comes to economics in particular so my prognosis is that at some point and i can't give a firm timeline because the we now know that there is no limit to the amount that they're willing to print uh, that's an important thing to you know Take it, take in process and modify your 
evaluation standards, your operating procedure in your own mind when you're thinking about economic uh, outcomes in, in the future. So I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to recalibrate and imagine that this is, you know, money printer go brr is full speed ahead. And I don't think that you could put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, people no longer believe in any sort of fiscal sanity. So it's just, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing forevermore. That ends in misery. So I don't want you to think that because I think the day of reckoning is going to be pushed off, I think that this lasts eternally. I, I wish it were possible. You know, I wish the Andrew Yangs of the world were right, but they're not. <laughs> they're simply not. Um, ultimately, fiscal responsibility is the responsibility of every nation, regardless of your printing press. And if you take that lightly, you will eventually lose your uh, currency reserve status and the dollar is going to take a dirt nap. I mean, I just don't see it any other way. The only thing that's keeping us afloat at this point, as far as I can tell, is that every central bank across the globe is doing the same thing. So instead of having a single uh, bad actor or a handful, like you've seen in you know Germany and Weimar, uh, you've seen it in uh, Venezuela. I think Argentina had a, had a moment of it. There's been numerous. Uh, Zimbabwe, a few African countries have had it. They, they behave so outrageously when it comes to their currency that it ends up being worth you know less than the paper it's printed on. And when it's a single country, that's a, it's a much quicker path to despair and destruction. When it's the entire world, we have literally and truly never seen anything like this. So I want to drive home the fact that this is a not a once-in-a-lifetime event. This is a once-in-history event. We have never in our lives or in the history of mankind seen every central bank across the globe completely pull out the stops when it comes to printing. That's where we're at. That's the reason that this is so dire. That's the reason this is so unique. That's the reason that any sort of guess at what comes next is in fact a guess. I can't tell you a historical uh, cognate or comparison to demonstrate definitively that I'm correct because we just don't know for sure because we don't have history to prove it. However, I don't believe that just because global printing is out of control that all economic rules are out the window. I believe that, yes, the delay is real and the day of reckoning has been pushed off somewhat, but it will not be pushed off indefinitely. It's really just common sense. You know, this isn't even like, I'm not even like reaching in deep into my bag of my economic uh, experience or my investing experience or anything like that. Just ask yourself, can you, can you print money and expect that money to be able to buy the same amount of goods over the long term? Just because every other country is doing it? Does that make sense to you? No. I mean, I think personally that we're en route to the first ever global hyperinflationary event where all currencies basically become worthless. And, and I think that that's likely why the World Economic Forum has floated the concept as well as many, many, many politicians that they, they are interested and they are investigating. I think they've already made up their mind, but they'll, they'll tell you that they're looking into it, into central bank digital currencies. So what that means for us, I'm not sure. I think it means that we're going to migrate our financial system globally to some sort of central bank digital currency, which is once again, essentially fiat. Because I don't think for a second, the US you know, digital dollar 
is going to have a limit on its production, i.e. Bitcoin. I mean, <laughs> why would they do that? They're not going to learn their lesson. They're going to migrate to another you know, version of a, of a fiat currency and continue the process as they've always done. What does that mean to us? Well, I don't know. I honestly don't know what it means to us in the long term. I don't know what it looks like to have the U.S. dollar you know, turned into dust by its government and swapped for some sort of central bank digital currency or global if they, you know, if they had their druthers, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to go that route, but I don't think that they'll do that because ultimately I, I think, I pray that there would be enough pushback that people would still say, okay, no, we can't do that. So my, my guess is that we're going to have major, major economic destruction at some point during Biden's presidency. And I think that that occurs when, I mean, in some ways it's good, in some ways it's bad. I, I don't, I don't ever want to see people kicked out of their houses, but ultimately the, the financial system, the banking system itself relies on the capacity to foreclose and evict if someone stops paying, you know, these, these guys need to get their money back. Um, so at some point, I think that the Republican Senate, if they hold it, will be the likely stopping point that drives us into a depression. And that's not to say that they're the bad guys. I think that ultimately someone has to put an end to this. So if they do that, that's where, you know, the evictions, the foreclosures, everything starts to, to snowball. I don't think that the Republicans will have enough political resolve to, to do it quickly or in the near term, but I could be wrong, you know. So that, that's the thing that I would recommend that you keep an eye on. Really make sure that you're, you're watching for any sort of political momentum towards austerity. I don't think it'll happen soon. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Republicans try to play hardball, given you know how hardball the Democrats have played over the past four years. Um, if they are interested in making sure that you know Joe Biden is a one-term president, aka Kamala is a one-term president, uh, I think that they would like to see the economic ruin, which I know that they know is in the offing, come under a Democrat presidency because it would ensure a Republican gets put into office. Or almost certainly ensure it. So that's that's kind of my guess as to to how this plays out. Uh, I think that basically the once once the foreclosures and the evictions begin, you will see a, an uproar, a populist leftist uproar like you've never seen before in our history. That's that's my honest fear. That's my honest guess as to what comes next. I think that they will gravitate towards the most you know outrageous and loud populist Marxist leftist politicians. And as of now, you know, Bernie Sanders is almost 80. I can't imagine it's going to be him. I think it's going to be a new breed. I don't think Elizabeth Warren has the gravitas. I think she's already blown her shot. I think that AOC is in line. And I think that given the economic destruction that we're likely to witness in the next four years, I think that she'll make a run. That's my honest guess. Um, and I think that if the economy is doing terribly, like like economic depression terribly, I think she'll have a real chance at winning. Even though the Republicans uh, may think that having an economic downturn or depression under Biden will ensure them you know, the right to the keys to the castle, I think that they could be mistaken because you know, you know how politics goes. People don't understand economics. They're not going to understand that, that you know, the printing and the debt was the problem and the austerity wasn't you know, just a a cause, 
or wasn't a cause. The Democrats will do a terrific job of painting the you know blame on capitalism, on greed, on the right wing, and AOC will go hard in the paint for insane Marxist policies. Uh, I, I really think that she has a very, very good chance of being the president in 2024 or 25, I guess it is. Um, I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope that that people see the economic destruction that the lockdowns wrought. I hope they understand it, but I'm not holding my breath. And I think that if you're old enough to remember the 0809 collapse, you should be old enough to remember that people once again blame capitalism, even though the Federal Reserve and you know cheap interest rates were the the largest driving factor in that economic collapse. Um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because people don't understand. And I don't think we're going to change that. I mean, we're not. We're not going to change it in time, that's for sure. So uh, I wanted to talk to you briefly about what I'm doing and what I what I think would be good advice for anyone that's interested in you know, defending themselves. I think that ultimately fiscal austerity in this country, perhaps on this planet, is dead. And I think that, you know, to invest safely in this environment is a fool's errand. It's extraordinarily dangerous. So the the first thing I would consider, uh, the re- let me explain. The reason that it's dangerous is because we don't know when the coll- collapse comes. All we know is that it's a ticking time bomb. I mean, we are literally on borrowed time, like actually borrowed. Um, so because of that, I can't, I can't advise you to dive into the stock market because it could, it could blow up at any minute. Um, I can't advise you to blow, you know, invest in real estate, same reason. And, uh, basically every asset is now in an everything bubble. Everything is overvalued. Everything's overpriced. I mean, it just is just look around you. We're, we're all out of work or, you know, a huge percentage of people are out of work and the stock market's at an all-time high. That isn't normal. If you don't know that, take my word for it. It's not normal. The stock market is not supposed to be going gangbusters while people are in breadlines. That's not how this is supposed to work. Uh, that's part of the reason I think that there'll be such a huge leftist populist uprising because they will see that as evidence that the system isn't set up for them and they'll be right. The system isn't set up for them. But it's also not capitalism that's to blame. <laughs> I mean, I can't make it more simple than that. This is the definition of crony capitalism. The people that are benef- benefiting from the government largesse are essentially stock investors at this point, real estate investors, which I'm one of, uh, thank God, just fortunately in that position. But uh, And also politicians, I mean, because their power structure has increased so dramatically. That's it, you know, and then, oh, crypto a little bit, I mean. People hedging against inflation are already seeing dividends because people, to some extent, see what's happening. Uh, I don't think that they understand it fully. I think that crypto investing is largely still speculative uh, in terms of the people that are investing in it. Uh, they're speculators. They're not necessarily doing it because they they envision what I envision, but they should, or at least they should be you know prepared if I'm correct. Um, so that's the advice I wanted to give to you guys. I think that stocks are too dangerous. Real estate's too dangerous. Uh, crypto as a hedge, okay, I, I understand it. Gold as a hedge, okay, I understand that. Other than that, powder dry, cash on hand, ready to pounce when the day of reckoning comes. So personal financial austerity in this environment to me makes the most sense. I mean, if you're young and you want to gamble, 
you can borrow money and you can go invest it in uh, inflation, you know, protected assets. Real estate would be an example of that. If we don't have the collapse and we go straight into a hyperinflationary death spiral, then things like real estate, gold, crypto would all skyrocket. So that would be a good hedge. I am not sure, still, I am not sure whether or not we go straight into hyperinflation or we have a deflation, deflationary boom or a bust prior to the inflationary boom. I think that's more likely. I don't think that the system can just money printer its way through all of this bullshit. I just don't think it's possible because there's so many, all these assets are, are interconnected in some form or fashion because our, our debt system is so interconnected. And ultimately, it doesn't make sense to me personally. I mean, this is just gut instinct. It doesn't make sense to me personally that you can see assets just go to the moon uh, while you know, your purchasing power has stayed relatively okay. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't feel right. It feels as if we are on the cusp of some sort of correction, and it, and it should be, in my opinion, major. But what I do believe is that when it comes, a la 2008, you will have the purchasing opportunity of a lifetime. And I've been saying this for a few years. I don't think I'm wrong. I think that the purchasing opportunity in the next and perhaps final crash will be the moment that you, you know, make a, make a fortune, turn your life around, make a life, make generational wealth if you're doing it right. Uh, that's, that's what I think is the opportunity that is presented to us in all of this insanity. And I, I implore my listeners to, at the very least, whether or not you take my advice or not, be prepared for it. You do not want to enter that moment where real estate's cut in half or further. You have no powder. You have no capacity to go out and get something. The reason I believe so strongly in that is I've already explained why I think it'll fall before the inflationary death spiral. Uh, but what I think is going to happen is once the, the collapse comes, there will be such outrage. That's that's likely when the, the central bank digital currency comes into play. And that's when they, you know, basically artificially inflate the new currency system. And when that occurs, any asset should do well in that environment because you're going to have this whole new currency that's being pumped into the system and it's going to be new and they're going to they're not going to know what you know exactly what amount needs to be out there and they're going to be doing mmt they're going to be you know dumping uh thousand two thousand who knows how much money uh central bank digital dollars into your bank account that environment is extraordinary for an investor i mean if you are an investor who owns a house or a few or owns some stock or a few you should see, you know, truly life-changing gains. And you will have also been hedged against, you know, the downfall. So if you're not in the markets when they collapse and you can buy, maybe not at the bottom, but near it, uh, the recovery should be relatively swift as they switch to a new currency and they, they try and to inflate us out of the next depression. And I would just feel terrible if my audience in particular weren't the people that made a fortune off that. And that's why I wanted to send this message to you today. I went a little bit longer than I expected. Um, huge week this week. I have Sir Hottest on tomorrow. He is a rapper named Patriot J, and that should be a blast. Uh, he's kind of like MAGA country, uh, but he's great, and I can't wait to talk to him. And then Wednesday, I have Brad Palumbo. 
I can't, I don't know how I'm getting these, these guests, but uh, apparently enough of you are listening that it's now worth people's time. So how cool is that? If you like this show, if you liked any advice I gave, please leave a five-star review on iTunes and share this episode or the thread that I did tonight with, uh, with your friends, family, audience, whoever. Love you guys. Check you tomorrow. Peace out.